Hey, 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 what's going on there, podcast community? Matthew Johnson back at it again with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. In this week's episode, we are going to discuss three tips on selecting a dementia support group. Let's get into it. Alrighty then, let's talk about this. This is so, so important and I don't know why I didn't do this podcast topic earlier as I have personally been involved with a couple of support groups for just about a year now, maybe even longer. And the value received has been enormous. I can't say enough about how much just, you know, not just information, but the emotional support that comes from these support groups I'm involved in too actively right now and how they have made my journey certainly much, much, much easier to bear. And so I thought, let me find some article around what you should look for, because of course, as I went out to do this, I just went to the local support group, you know, that's uh, right here in my area. And it, you know, that's not one that I'm involved with today. And, you know, of course, as you are, if you're in the beginning stages of this, you're going to just, of course, reach out to the closest thing or whatever it is that's available to you. And there's not to say there's anything wrong with that, because even that group, though, I only went once. I got some information from that group. And so you're probably going to be able to get information from just about anywhere you reach. There's a lot of good willed people out here that are willing to help. But to the extent you can find a group that supports you and is good for you, then of course that will encourage you to go back and you will be able to get more from that group than you would if there were some challenges or there wasn't just as good of a fit. And so this article, and it's dated February 11th, 2020, which was about the time I was out kind of looking for support groups, interestingly, but I didn't see this article until now, of course. And it is written by Linda Abbott, A-B-B-I-T, Community Outreach Manager at the Alzheimer's Family Center. And so if you wanted to Google that organization and that name, Linda Abbott, you can probably find this or three tips on selecting a dementia support group is the exact title of the article. And so I'll go through these and, of course, offer my two cents. You know, I'm always throwing my two cents in there as I list what she says are three tips on selecting a dementia support group. And I'll just say the three tips in summary and then come back in details. One, shop for a support group you'll feel comfortable in. Two, give a support group meeting more than one chance. I didn't do that. Three, don't feel you have to go to every meeting to benefit from the group. So 
Those are the three tips. And let's take this first one on. It's why it's the shop for a support group that you'll feel comfortable in. She says, asking your primary care physician, clergy, or looking online are some of the best ways to gather a list of possible support groups to try. Google Alzheimer's support group near me or dementia support group near me to find local meetings. And so that was, of course, it sounds basic. But again, if you are being thrust upon with a bunch of responsibilities and, you know, it can be overwhelming, these basic things you may not think about, but. I think that is good advice, actually. That is a good place to start. Dementia support group near me. You can ask Siri. I'm probably going to set off some of your phones right now. Hey, Siri, dementia support group near me. Mine actually just came on right here. One option is ply gem. Okay, mine actually just went off. I'm trying to accidentally set off your series, and I actually accidentally set off my own. Anyway, it is that simple. To begin, just to ask your phone, your whatever, Google to provide that information. And the chances are, again, as you do that, there might be some ads. If you're on Google, that pop up first. People might pay to have their company or service pop up first in a Google search. Recognize that you may have to go down to the bottom of the screen or scroll to the next page to really get the you know, kind of the raw information, not that information that's trying to sell you something. So be aware of that. And then she also says, when you attend a meeting, consider these factors, the physical setting, group demographics, leaders style and the meeting format. So these things are all important. And this is, you know, what for me led me to go to the one meeting that I went to again, wonderful people. But I'll get into that in the second bullet, since that second bullet is the one that says give the meeting more than one chance. But paying attention to the group demographics, the physical setting, there are some that take place. And this one was an in-person one, again, just ahead of the uh, pandemic. Or was it during the pandemic? Were we already... I don't know, but it was in person and it took place in a restaurant, which was fine because, you know, that that's a good place to socialize and can't say enough about the uh, socialization being a key part of the support group meeting. So it's not just about getting information, but it's also about being able to socialize with people that are on the same journey as you. And by socialize, I don't mean just, you know, always, of course, talking about the dementia and the negative things associated with what you're dealing with. But sometimes it's also just about, you know, having a conversation about the weather, being able to talk to somebody, you know, because sometimes you're doing this for your loved one and you're in the home all day with your loved one. So to be able to get out and have lunch and this one group, they would do that. They'd have the meeting there in the banquet room of the restaurant. And then afterwards they some, if of course time permitting would stay and have lunch with each other. And I think that is a wonderful, a wonderful idea. So other physical settings, of course it could be at a church synagogue or mosque. Some of these places might have support groups that meet right there. 
Uh, and then, of course, recently with the pandemic, there are many that are online. The two that I belong to, they're both online. And as we start to open back up, as that's what we're doing now, the man mask mandates and these distancing rules and capacity rules are starting to fall away. We're probably going to start to see these meetings going back to in person. And I do worry about that for me because both of my groups meet in a different state, in a different time zone. And of course, I want them to go back to being in person because, again, there's something good about that. Certainly the in-person provides things that can't you can't get online. You can't hug somebody who's crying about what they're going through online. And just even if it's a pat on the back, the physical touch is very important for human existence. And so we've benefited from being able to have the ability to reach outside of our geographic borders with the online support groups. However, we do want to recognize and acknowledge that there are some things that are best in person and to think we want to just continue with the online forever, ever, ever is that's not going to be a good approach. So my hope is that for those who went to the online and are certainly being able to reach more people and it might even be a more effective and expensive thing to have the online support groups that those groups now start to come back together and have the in-person meetings. And it'll make me challenged to either find a group or get on a plane to go to my uh, support group meetings. So in either case, that's what is the first bullet essentially to shop for one that you feel comfortable in. And that comfortability has to deal with all of that. So certainly if it is something that's from your religious experience, you'll feel more comfortable there perhaps than you would if it were a different religious experience. So there might be a support group. If you're, say, Christian, there might be a support group that's Islamic in your neighborhood and you might feel uncomfortable there or vice versa. If you're praying to Allah, you might feel uncomfortable that this other support group starts with praying to Jesus every meeting. And so even though the information might be good, again, just your own personal comfort level might be better if you were in a group that demographically match with you. All right. So the second bullet, give the support group more than one chance. And she says, I would attend at least two meetings before I cross a potential group off my list. You want to be sure your first impression was valid, even if it wasn't necessarily a positive one. And generally speaking, I do think that is good advice. Give the group uh, more than just the one meeting. However, for me, and this could be related to, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome or past traumas, who knows. But as I walked into this group that was no men, no people of color, and you know, most specifically black people, I'm a black man, it just immediately caused a defensive wall to come up around me. Anytime I walk into rooms like that in corporate America and as I rose up the corporate ladder, I would unfortunately find myself in, you know, uh, oftentimes with 
you know, in meetings about policy or, you know, big decisions that had to be made with the leadership of the organization, that I'd be the only black face in the room. And it just immediately had me thinking, I got to watch what I say. I got to watch what I do, whatever I say or do. It's not just me. They're going to see this. They're going to see this as this, you know, black man. And I got roles in the corporate ranks relatively young. So I was also a young black man. And in these rooms, you know, all of that just comes back to me um, when I'm in those environments. And so I just did not want to be in a place where I'm here to kind of get emotional support. And at the same time, having to deal with my own emotional issues. And I acknowledge and recognize again that no one in that group did anything to me that, you know, uh, focused on my race or what have you. Now, I have to say this because this did happen, just so happened that at the restaurant, when I went in and told them I was there for that group, they were like, mm-hmm you know, kind of surprised. And instead of, you know, like everybody else, you just walk back. It was a restaurant, so it's public. They went back to ask, you know, are you you expecting somebody's out here and then look like they normally come to this meeting that you all have, you know, every whatever so often. So I got that from the host person at the restaurant, but the people were just very kind and very supportive. So this was on me in terms of, just not feeling comfortable. And that was the first bullet to feel comfortable. And so it took that one meeting for me before I started to come back and look for other meetings that again, I feel more comfortable in. So even though she says, give it more than one chance, generally speaking, I agree with that. But if you have such a visceral response or such a horrible time. And I didn't have a horrible time, by the way. But if something happened that you had a horrible time in the first meeting, eh, maybe one chance is enough, enough, especially given that there are so many support groups that are out there. So apart uh, from the author on that particular point, but generally speaking, I can see that you should do that as well. Uh, give it more than one chance. Then the third one, don't feel as though you have to go to every meeting to benefit from the group. The author says my attendance at the adult children of Alzheimer's patients support group went in waves. And she just goes on to describe how when things were difficult at home, she, you know, didn't go back or if she didn't have a lot of questions for a particular meeting, you know, she wouldn't attend the meeting. And so that is just fine. It can, you can definitely jump in, jump out, and, you know, most groups understand that the one group I'm in and I, and I do that. There are some meetings that I attend and some meetings that I don't. What's wonderful. And I just really and I commented to them that I appreciated that, that when I would miss two meetings in a row, you know, it would result in a phone call just to check in and say, hey, you know, we haven't seen you. Is everything OK? And that is just a good feeling, a good feeling to know that somebody is uh, checking in on you. And once, you know, I let them know what the kind of schedule of my life was, you know, we're, we're on the same page about that. So they don't call in when I miss a meeting anymore, but just to have that support network, that safety net, somebody extra kind of looking out for you that you're on someone's radar. Yeah, that's good, but you don't have to feel obligated. 
there's no one that's going to say, oh, well, you know, you hadn't attended the last three meetings, so we scratched you off the list or what have you. No, it's not like that at all. And those folks, more than anybody, certainly understands how life happens and how some things are outside of your control and that you, you know, might have times where you have to miss. Um, but I for whatever reason, I look forward to going to the two support groups that I belong to such that, you know, I really don't even want to miss. And even if I don't have questions or I'm not dealing with anything that I need specific assistance with, I like to go just for the, again, socializing and the camaraderie. One of the groups that I am in is a black male support group. Yes, that's right. They exist. And when I found it and it came recommended to me uh, by someone, and I don't want to put names out only because I don't want to, you know, flood this support group there, you know, just uh, what, 12, 13 of us that kind of come on a regular basis. And, you know, I'm sure at some point you reach critical mass in terms of being able to have an effective group before you have to branch out to two or three groups. And I don't know what that number is. I don't know much about that, but I don't want to put their information out. However, if you are looking for something that specific, and I guess this is why I mentioned it, that you might be able to find that. And certainly there are support groups around the disease. So if you're dealing with Lewy body, with Parkinson's, with you know, uh, dementia with behaviors. There are certain groups that might even be catered to that type of dementia that you're dealing with. If you're dealing with caring for a spouse versus caring for a parent, there are support groups for that. If you are a native Spanish speaker, there are support groups for that. And again, that is something where a person who speaks that language might just be more comfortable recognizing everything that's being said without having to think, uh, how do you say this? How do I translate that so that you can understand what I'm dealing with and or the, so that I can understand you? These types of things all can make a difference. And it is not to say that somebody is putting down any group over another to say you want something where you feel comfortable or to say you want something that is like you. You want to walk into a room and feel like, hey, I'm very comfortable here. The uh, black male support group, just very comfortable there. I don't think I've ever been in a group like this, by the way, and I'm 30 years old. And I don't think I've ever been in a group of black men. And they're, you know, I'll say the average age is probably a little older than me. Uh, but just very successful brothers. They're doing the thing. We'll again, socialize and have conversations around things that are going on in the world, investing in real estate and the issues of dealing with tenants and, you know, just all this type of stuff. And just to have that camaraderie in addition to then also sharing an emotional journey of what we're dealing with, some caring for their parents, some caring for their spouses Man, I tell you, it is, and that whole thing, just the, uh, you know, the way the group is built in and of itself is a support for me. I I find myself gaining strength from being around those brothers and the things that they, you know, just 
just offer and the, the vulnerability that's shared and all of that, just to see these, I don't know, this difference of a view of the black man than what I see in media and what I see portrayed, uh, generally speaking, in the world is just refreshing. So, you know, if you can find that, if you can have a connection like that, that speaks to you, that's very welcoming to you as an individual, absolutely go for that. Seek that out. That's the type of support group that you want. And I would say you would certainly know when you have found it. It wouldn't be a question, you know, about, you know, well, should I come back to another meeting or should I really give them a You'll know. You'll probably know, you know, on, in the first meeting. You know, it's like you look across the bar, it's smoky, it's crowded, and you see that person and they see you and your eyes lock and everybody else in the room disappears. It's just you and that support group. You'll know. You'll know when you found the right one. All right, that's it. The music is playing. I'm talking about Smoky Bars and Hennessy, so it's definitely time to go. Thank you for tuning in, folks, this week. Do those three things or think about those three tips. Shop for a group you're comfortable in. Give the support group more than one chance for the most part. And don't feel like you have to go to every meeting in order to benefit for the group. Those are the three tips that have been covered in this podcast. What you're doing is wonderful. Taking care of your loved one. Absolutely continue along that path. But also, and more importantly, take care of yourself. Matthew Johnson, Dementia in Black and White. I'm out.